You're listening to Juicy Podcast. I'm your host, Tony Bacigalupo, and in this episode, I'll be talking with Celia Dunn of IWG, that's International Workplace Group, better known as Regis. The IWG brand has now become an umbrella that encompasses a bunch of other non-Regis brands. You know Regis has been around for a long time. They've been in the shared office industry for a long time, and they know a lot about what it means to build a sustainable business since they've been around for a long time. And so in a lot of ways, they've not had to change their model, but in a lot of ways they have had to change. And so their perspective, I think, is a very valuable one to get to know as we look at where things are going going forward. And so uh, Celia's actually been with uh, IWG and Regis for quite some time. So she's got an excellent, excellent perspective on the whole industry and where things have been. We've also got Juicy Canada around the corner, so if you are thinking about tickets and haven't gotten yours yet, I strongly encourage you to head over to canada.juicy.co, that's canada.gcuc.co. Check out the agenda, look at the speakers, look at some of the programs that are coming up. I think if you do, you will find that it's going to be well worth making the trek up to Toronto. October 29th to November 1st, grab your ticket now while there's still time. I'd love to see you there. And so without further ado, let's get into the interview with Celia Dunn on this episode of Juicy Podcast. Celia, thanks so much for joining me on the program and excited to have a chance to chat with you. Thanks, Tony. Yeah, great to talk to you too. So... Uh, you told me before we started that you've been working for Regis for quite some time. Just start me at the beginning. When did you start working there? How did you start working there? And, and what was the world of sharing workspace like when you got started? Yeah, so sort of similar and different. Um, it was 21 years ago. So, you know, a really long time ago now. I worked for the company at that point called Regis. We're now called IWG, International Workplace Group, because we've got some other brands, which I'll talk about in a minute. Um, but at the time, Regis, a relatively small company, I was num- centre number 121. We're now at over 3,500. Um, so, you know, from that point of view, a very different company now, much bigger. But at the time, I came from retail. So I'd done a graduate training course with a, a retail um, outlet in the, in the UK, I had some really good management training, but actually I was looking for something slightly different. Um, and also I speak several languages, so was hoping for, a, you know, a, an international sort of company and spotted Regis, which was opening in my local town. So that's how I came to be here. Wow. And so in the course of that time, um, things have obviously changed a lot. I'd love to get your perspective on how things are different now compared to the way things were when you got started. Yeah. So some things, by the way, haven't changed. And I think, you know, as a very core base, what we do hasn't fundamentally changed. We still offer flexible workspace um, and you can take that, you know, just for the day or for a longer period of time. Um, So we have people taking offices, obviously, for some months or years. But um, what um, meeting rooms have always been available. But something that has changed is that every, you know, like many people, um, we now offer co-working. So we've done that also for many years, but the the offering has become, you know, more sophisticated. You know, we have a membership program now where you can actually go anywhere in the world and use our co-working space. So 
a lot of the things that we had at the very beginning, we still they still exist, but they've just been adapted and become you know easier for our customers to use as we've gone through the years. And part of the reason for that change, I think, is technology. So we've always offered internet, we've always offered telephones, but when I first started, people were absolutely still fixed to their desk. You know, you had a wire going through to your computer, you were stuck with your landline. I think mobiles existed, but only just. So, you know, the way people move around now is certainly something that's changed. And that also, as I say, therefore, has changed with the offering that we have. Um, So we have business lounges, co-working space, and people have access to all of them. Gotcha. Yeah, I mean, I, I feel I feel like we underestimate the incredible power of Wi-Fi and laptops, and just how much that's increased mobility, and how much it's changed the needs people have around their work. Right. Whereas I imagine, you know, people running businesses in the previous century, by and large, needed physical space to operate their businesses. Now, more and more, people can run their whole businesses from from their laptop, from from anywhere with a signal, essentially. Uh, so that's got to have changed a lot of the needs. It, it's changed it a lot. So, yeah, as I said, people had a fixed sort of desk, therefore. So you're right, they built up a business in a particular location. Uh, they could move it around, they could expand, they could downsize. So it's always been flexible in that sense. But I think the change we see now is that customers might take a smaller office in a particular centre, but then they will use you know, drop-in space in other spaces nearer to home. They might just meet up with their team periodically in a flexible space. So you're right, the whole way of people working is completely different and, and often, a, often a combination of sort of home and office or home and uh, business centre. But equally, uh, you know, many people still don't want to be based at home all the time. So for them to find somewhere where they can work flexibly is really helpful. Well, and I have to imagine with the scale that Regis has, it actually puts it in a nice position to adapt to this mobility in the sense that originally it was very straightforward. If you rented an office at Regis, you would you would have one spot and that was it. Uh, whereas now it's gotten a lot more um, a lot more liquid. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And that's why I say that our membership programs actually allow people to use our full network. So, you know, if I buy a lounge membership, I can actually use a lounge anywhere in the world. If I buy a co-working membership, again, anywhere in the world. And, you know, I happen to work for, for IWG and I happen to travel in Europe. But I tell you what, it's amazing to just turn up in a centre. I'm in Paris today, in fact. You know, so I'm just sitting here on my Wi-Fi in the co-working space in, in Paris, Gare du Nord. But any one of our members who takes that membership can also do the same. So it's brilliant that, you know, the world has become so accessible and you can do some work, you know, if you want to on your way traveling anywhere. Yeah, so it's fantastic, actually. And uh, in terms of the the competitive landscape and the way that all of this is kind of playing out, you know, coming from the co-working movement side of things, uh, I approach this world from a perspective of, I don't need office space, but I do need um, authentic connection. I need support from other people who can help me with my business or just help me motivate. Uh, And so community was such a huge part of what motivated me to get into this world in the first place. And what I'm seeing now is that a lot of spaces are trying to figure out how to distinguish themselves from the litany of people who have the ability to just rent workspace. So I'm curious, what is Regis doing to 
compete aside from just doing a better job of renting workspace and, and leveraging its global network? Is it doing anything to try to deepen the relationship so it's not just a transactional kind of um, commodity thing? Yes. Yeah, so, um, well, I mentioned earlier, we have a number of brands. We have Regis, we have Spaces, um, HQ Signature and number 18, uh, and a couple of more local brands. Um, each of those type of centres has always run, but now, you know, even more so, we run community events. So, you know, in Spaces, there are several community events a week. Some of them are even things like TED Talks. Um, so people come there, they work and they collaborate, as you say, with people that, that are working in the center, whether they're in the co-working part or if they're in more longer term offices, but they can all come together in those events and meet each other, share ideas, and hopefully, you know, hear, hear something good if there's a speaker, for example. But every one of the brands, in fact, does events. Spaces happens to do far more of them, but, you know, everywhere would do a minimum of one a month and sometimes several a month. So I think we're very, very conscious that, you know, what people want is exactly what you just articulated. You know, they want to come into work, but not just sort of sit isolated. They want to actually, you know, mingle with other people, you know, get collaboration to help their own businesses. And we'll do everything we can to try and help facilitate that as well. Gotcha. And what can you tell me as far as how the response has been? Are people participating in these events? Are you finding that it's improving retention the more that you invest in that? Uh, yeah, or anything along those lines? Yeah, definitely. Actually, what we do find is where, um, you know, the, the centers where, the, you know, they're most engaged with their uh, customers of course though the retention is better we have better customer service satisfaction surveys um but you know as a whole across the business of course yes we are seeing that as an outcome but by the way our motto if, if that's the right word is to give everyone a great day at work and that's both customer it's team um you know so we work consistently by the way in the background to try and improve our processes to benefit both customers and team members of course um so you know that great day at work if we manage to achieve that, which is our target, then everybody is happier, everyone's more productive, and of course then retention and those types of um, things do get better. Gotcha, and uh, just so that uh, I've got my hand wrapped around it and maybe we could talk a little bit more about this too. Um, we've got IWG, which is kind of the parent brand, and then underneath that are the brands of Regis, Spaces, uh, HQ, uh, signature number 80 I, I have I basically got that generally right yeah you have there are global brands yeah and we do have a few sort of local brands um, in for example the UK we have somewhere called base point which also offers industrial and storage space so we have a few nuances but I mean the idea of those various brands is because different people want to work in slightly different ways and they want to have different types of design surrounding them. And someone, some people want a slightly more corporate feel. Some people want a very relaxed feel. Um, so they, they can then pick the center that they feel most comfortable in. Um, and, and then they're most likely to do their best work, of course, if they're in a center where they feel they can be very productive. So th I think that that's where the idea of all the different brands came from. And I'm sure we will continue to add to those brands, you know, as appropriate as different types of um, design, for example, emerge. Gotcha. And in terms of the overall industry and where things are going, kind of the big picture, I know that IWG put out a global workspace survey recently, has lots of kind of very recent information, uh, which I'll uh, direct the listeners to. I'll just say if you go to IWGPLC.com, 
it's currently at the very top of the web page, but uh, if it's not there, when you look for it, just look for the Global Workspace Survey, uh, the IWG Global Workspace Survey. So it's got a lot of uh, information. It looks like IWG invested a fair bit into studying the industry and figuring out what's going on and where it's going. Um, can you give me your sense, your take on where things are going and 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 where where you see the organization positioning itself? Yeah, sure. So, well, we're the, the global leader in flexible workspace um, by some measure, actually, um, and we would want to aim to obviously remain the the global leader in that. But I think, as you say, the survey what it highlights is that flexible working is now the norm. So I think we've been doing these surveys, by the way, for some years, and we've seen, you know, a progression, you know, and a very fast progression in the last couple of years that, you know, as it says in the survey, for example, that 80% of people will now take a job offer with flexible working versus not flexible working. So I think we feel that, you know, our, our centres and the types of flexible space we offer are now sort of positioned really well for the way people want to work. So they want to do a combination of locations, for example, as we've said before, technology allows them to sort of mix where they work, but they don't necessarily want to be working at home. So I think, you know, as an industry, and I talk about the global, you know, the co-working industry as a whole, it's really well placed for the way that people want to work today. I think compared to a few years ago, um, you know, it, it already was a flexible working industry, but perhaps the general public had not yet caught up with it or certainly employers had not yet caught up with the fact that people wanted to work flexibly whereas that really has become the norm now yeah and it's interesting because we've got some funny dynamics at play here right we say that to some degree this industry has been around for a long time uh, but in some ways there's these new dynamics at play where where we have very very different way that people are working and and living now and we've got something like we work which is making so many waves here in the states in terms of the press and this ipo debacle and all the craziness going on and there's a lot of talk about the fact that for example this we work thing has grown tremendously but it also is on perhaps shaky foundations people are wondering is this a fad is this going to collapse i happen to think that it's not i happen to think that that things are going to continue to accelerate as work changes do you see any like well i guess any comment on that in terms of kind of the, the, the commentary and the way that things have gone so far? Well, I, I won't comment on WeWork as such, but what I will say is, and it has been in the in the press in the same sort of um, articles, in fact, that the IWG is a case in point of a model where it shows it can be profitable. It can be a sort of successful business through the ups and the downturns of economies. So I think it's here to stay. I think it's here to grow. Um, but, you know, for people who position themselves and who, who set up so that they're not taking too many risks in their setup. Got it. And in terms, it is kind of funny to think about that people are talking about whether we were, could ever be profitable when there's perfectly good example of a company that's essentially done a very similar thing for many years profitably. So it is interesting to point out. Um, I will say that I, I have this hypothesis that the traditional employer is becoming decreasingly interested in managing their own portfolio of real estate. Uh, if I'm operating a company and my company is producing products or services, the last thing I want is to have an entire world of people dealing with, an, with a whole sector of stuff that I don't need to necessarily be focused on. 
And so I imagine that employers are going to be increasingly motivated to outsource their office footprint to third parties. Uh, that's a hypothesis I have. It's one that I'm interested in testing out. So I'm curious the extent to which your experience and IWG's strategy and research going forward does or doesn't align with that. What do you think? I think it does align with that totally. And I think, by the way, the last global recession, you know, sort of about 10 years ago, it started fundamentally changed the way that people were thinking about their, their office portfolio, for example. So what we have seen is a big increase in corporate type customers. We call them enterprise customers, um, you know, are looking to, to, as you say, outsource the bulk, if not all of their portfolio. And um, I hope I'm allowed to mention that some, you know, some of our clients are people like Google and Amazon. So they have their very big head offices that are, you know, very well known with their slides and all that sort of thing. But actually, as they open up in new markets or as they go somewhere where they, you know, need a smaller presence, they will look at flexible space because exactly as you say, they don't want people just tied up dealing with facilities and, and, um, and property. So I think you're right. It's small and medium enterprises, but it's equally now the very big companies are all shifting their pattern um, to do exactly what you say and sort of focus on their business, not necessarily on the running of buildings. Well, and how better to illustrate that than by mentioning companies that are very publicly known to have very strong um, central campus locations that even they are are also investing in diversifying their offerings as far as where people can can work and it makes sense you know you can only have uh, people from so far of a driving radius work in a, in a given area close to a campus whereas being able to give people the ability to work wherever you, you drastically increase your hiring pool and if you're a big company obviously you have an interest in being able to access as much of the global talent pool as you can, right? Absolutely. Yeah. So where are you headed from here? What is exciting for you? What are you looking towards for 2020? I know that you manage a whole bunch of different locations, um, which I'd love to ask you a little bit more about as well. Tell me a little bit about your job and what you're doing, how many locations you're dealing with and what you're looking forward to in the in the in the in the coming year and the years to come. Okay. Well I, I cover a thousand centers or so across sixty six countries. So, you know, one of the exciting things about my role is that we, we offer the same, you know, sort of general uh, experience and setup in all of our different centers across all of the countries but there are slight nuances, particularly when you talk to, you know, I talk to my ops director in the Middle East and hear some of the the things coming up there versus Africa versus Northern Europe. Um, so e each set of countries has its own, you know, sort of things going on, which it keeps it really interesting. Um, you know, what I'm looking forward to is continuing to develop our centre teams. So as I say, our aim is for them to have a great day at work. We're putting in more and more training at the moment. We're doing sort of a, a set of management and leadership training with some of our teams at the moment so I look forward to seeing their careers develop as we grow so you can imagine as we continue to grow we're, we're very keen on promoting people from within if we can doesn't mean we never take people from the from outside of the company of course we, we love to do that also but it's great when you can uh, promote from within um, other things that we're doing we we have an app for our customers where they can manage their account online they can make lifetime bookings for meeting rooms and things and we actually based on lots of focus groups with customers are making a 
a sort of new version of that, which will be out uh, next year, which I'm looking forward to. Um, you know, just generally looking forward to to continuing to improve everything that we do to to help our customers. So we have, for example, a for, for EMEA, we have a um, customer account help desk who will deal with all of the accounting questions that people have if they are complicated. You know, they speak lots of languages in that in that um, account help desk, and we continually look to, you know, add to that and make sure that they have, you know, the right training to help our customers as quickly as possible. So, you know, there are lots of things like that going on in the background, which I hope will continue to evolve as we go into 2020. And of course, we're continuing to grow. So we have more spaces opening. We have number 18 beginning to open across EMEA, as well as already in America, by the way. Um, and some of our other brands also growing. So that gives, you know, both customers and team some more choices. So that's exciting for them. You know, so some of our team members for example move across to work in spaces and they love it because it's a slightly more informal environment whereas others switch the other way around and you know might go to signature which is our sort of very high-end center and they really enjoy sort of dealing with the you know sort of the prestige of those signature centers so you know all in all it remains very exciting and even after 21 years by the way i am never bored you know there's always something exciting happening well that is an amazing thing to hear i feel like and it seems like you are nowhere near being bored anytime soon with all the different things you've got going no, on. No, and every time I think I might be bored, something else exciting pops up. So, no, not at all. <laughs> and speaking of exciting things popping up, we've got Juicy UK, which you are participating in a panel on. I am, yes. Yeah, so I'm going to be talking about how we can learn from the hospitality industry. I mean, um, you know, there are many things we can learn from the hospitality industry. I know that over the years I've employed many people from the hospitality industry, partly because, you know, they, they have a great focus on customer service, which we equally do. Um, but yeah, it should be an interesting panel. And we're talking also with uh, Matt, who's from Citizen, Citizen M Hotels, and Sarah, who's talking about how they do some pricing sort of yield matching um reporting so it's going to be an exciting panel i think we've got you know a few things to talk about but also looking forward to the questions that will come up sounds great celia uh it's been a pleasure to chat with you i'm glad that we got to dig into some of these things and i uh, appreciate you taking the time yeah thanks so much tony and thanks for your time as well all right take care bye So there you have it, my interview with Celia Dunn of IWG. Just so useful to get the perspective from someone who's been in this world uh, with an organization that's been in this world since be long before the modern co-working movement has existed. Interesting to see what's changing, what's not changing. Celia spoke at Juicy UK, and now you get a chance to see who's going to be speaking at Juicy Canada. The Juicy Canada conference will be in Toronto October 29th to November 1st. It is an amazing, amazing event. I have a personal soft spot in my heart for the Canadian Coworking Conference. Ashley Proctor, who runs it, is just an incredible community organizer, passionate leader, visionary. She knows what she's doing. She curates an incredible, incredible group of speakers. So head over to canada.juicy.co. Have a look at who's gonna be speaking. I will be speaking there. Uh, my friend Aaron Scott is gonna be speaking. He's amazing. He's got so much knowledge to share. Uh, just one example of a whole bunch of amazing folks. So just go check it out. Grab your ticket if you can. I promise it will be well worth your investment. And I would love to see you there. In the meantime, keep doing all the amazing good work that you are doing for your cities and for your people. And keep being awesome.